Meet Calvin. Hi. Calvin won 50 bucks off his roommate. That's because Calvin has the iHeartRadio app. iHeartRadio. Which he used to make a pasta song playlist. I'm a genioki. Calvin blasted this on repeat after betting his roommate couldn't complete a four-day juice cleanse. Oh, I can. The song Proper Pappardelle pushed him over the edge. Mm. I love carbs. Good thing Calvin is one of millions with the iHeartRadio app. Download it today and get paid to ruin your roommate's stupid cleanse. Like Calvin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lineup with Dave Prodan. I'm Dave Prodan, and this is episode 127. The fifth stop on this year's Challenger Series, the EDP Vizsla Pro Aracera, has finished with Australia's Macy Callahan and Italy's Leonardo Fioravante taking home the victories. There are only two stops remaining on this year's WSL Challenger Series in Sakurema and Haleiwa, both with an international field vying for five spots for the women and 10 spots for the men to qualify for the Elite Championship Tour in 2023. And we already have some surfers locked. On the women's side, we have Macy Callahan following her big win in Portugal, who, while not 100% guaranteed, is about as close as it comes to clinching a spot on the 2023 CT, with the following four places occupied by Molly Picklum, Caitlin Simmers, Betty Lucicura Johnson, and Nikki Van Dyke. On the men's side, we have Indonesia's Rio Waida, Italy's Leonardo Fioravante, and Australia's Ryan Callanan, all confirmed for the 2023 Championship Tour, currently followed by challengers Liam O'Brien, Ezekiel Lau, Dylan Moffat, Ian Gentile, Michael Rodriguez, Maxime Husino, and Morgan Sibilic. The penultimate stop on the 2023 WSL Challenger Series will be the Corona Sakurama Pro, running from November 1st through the 8th, and will be streamed live at worldsurfleague.com and the WSL app. Do not miss it. All right, episode 127. Today's guest is someone who was just hours away from claiming her second world title with a big win at the Cuervo Classic Malibu Longboard Championships. When we recorded this, she was joined in Malibu with a win by Australia's Harrison Roach. Born in New York, raised in Hawaii, and developed in the iconic Point Breaks of Malibu, she locked into surfing at a young age, shortboarding before transitioning to longboarding full-time. And as she admits, an out-of-the-blue world title in Taiwan in 2018 vaulted her onto the international stage, and she's only gone from strength to strength since. We talk about all this and more. Please enjoy the lineups conversation with Malibu's Soleil Erico. The good old clap, take one. That's right. <laughs> How many of you knew what you wanted to be when you were seven years old? I did. I wanted to be world champion. Hey, is there honesty involved in this podcast? Can we be honest? You can shut your fucking lips. And then I'll just say, put them up, what? Let's go. He's like, you look too pretty on the wave. Get ugly. We can talk about DMT if you want. Let's <laughs> talk your boxing. All right, so we have the freshly crowned, maybe the most freshly crowned ever on this podcast, 2022 Cuervo Classic Malibu Longboard Champion, and now a two-time WSL World Longboard Champion on the lineup, just hours after your big win. Soleil Erico, thank you so much for joining us after um, what I'd imagine would be a, a night of celebration. Yeah, it definitely was a night of celebration last night, everyone. Um, we all celebrated at the aviator nation party that they threw and it was really fun um yeah it was cool to see everyone there like because you know in the contest we're all like in our zone we're competing and we're serious and then once the contest is over then we can just like be normal again and like yeah so it was it was really cool to be there with everyone and 
yeah, I'm really happy. You know, it's one of those those rare things in surfing, and, and obviously we've made a lot of changes to all the tours to to design them in a way where the very best surfing is happening in the water, where the world title happens in the final heat of the year. And it's not always a guarantee on the longboard side, but it, but it went down like that for you in Malibu. Um, you know, talk us through the day in the sense of, of, of how you're feeling ahead of the day starting. And then as that pressure mounted, where it's like, whoever wins this final is going to win the world title. That, that's a really special thing. Yeah. For me, like, I felt like I prepared so much for that event. Um, considering like I lived here and I'm able to surf here a lot before, um, but I, yeah, I just felt like if I had the waves, if the sets came through, then I could do it, you know, and I, I had that confidence in myself from surfing here since I was 13 and, um, I've been practicing out here a lot. And so, yeah, I just like would just say to myself when I was out there, just have fun and enjoy surfing Malibu with like two other people out because, if you know surfing Malibu, it is not easy. It is the most hectic place to surf in, I think, the world, honestly. Like, the stuff that goes on at Malibu in terms of, like, dropping in and getting in the waves, like, it's in, uncomparable. So being out there in pumping waves with, like, one other girl was just, like, insane. It's interesting <laughs> you say that, too, because a lot of the, the WSL Final Five competitors from the Rip Curl WSL Finals at Lowers a few weeks ago had a similar comment where they're like, oh my God, like, like lower is not dissimilar to first point at Malibu on yeah. any given free surfing day is just packed. And it, it can be very frustrating just to feel like you're ready to go on, on competition day. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's crazy surfing. Yeah. Lowers. I feel like lowers is kind of like the shortboard wave, like of Mal, like Malibu's like right, yeah. lowers in a way. They're very similar because like short uh, lowers is like the iconic shortboard break, and like M Malibu's iconic longboard break. So I thought it was so sick that they had both of the final events in those places. Um, but yeah, being out there with you know in a practice session is so different than a heat in terms of people. Um, but yeah, so that's why it's even more special to compete out there with like one other girl because it almost feels like euphoric because you're like, where is everyone? Right. And you just like have all these waves to yourself. You can pick whatever wave you want. It's like in a way, like yesterday I was getting like, I don't know, like if you went on a trip to Mexico, you know how there's like no one out. Um, it kind of felt like that. So yeah, it was it was a cool day. Your last world title was 2018, um, pre-pandemic. It was an entirely different world. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but that world title was clinched in Taiwan. So a completely different part of the world. You know, yeah. what, did it feel radically different competing, as you pointed <laughs> out, like so close to home in Malibu compared to the last time you won the world title? Yeah, like before I won my world title um, a couple years ago, like, I did not have any expectation. Like I was just like going out there and just, I didn't even think I'd make the first round. And then like every heat I would make, it'd be like, Oh sick. I made the next one. And then, Oh, I made the next one. And then the final came in and the final. I like wasn't even thinking I, I was just surfing and having fun. And like, I didn't care. I mean, obviously you care a little bit, but if I got second, like I would be stoked, you know? Um, but this event was so different because I was like, I got to win this <laughs> because like, 
I felt like there was a pretty big expectation on me considering like I live here and surf here all the time. And it wasn't really an expectation that I felt from other people. It was more an expectation that I put on myself because, and also I didn't want to let anyone down. So it was very different. And then also like when I won a couple years ago, I didn't even like remember the moment because I was just like floating because it was just so like, I couldn't even comprehend what was going on. And then this time, like, because I am at Malibu all the time, like, it just felt very natural. So I felt like way more grounded. And I like remembered everything. So yeah, very different experiences. <laughs> you know, as you pointed out, like, like winning in Taiwan, you're like, I, you know, if I make it out around one, that's going to be a, a, a moral victory for me. Yeah. Does like winning the world title, did that kind of transform the way that you looked at your career between, you know, it's been four years between then and now, like, did you, did you start setting your own expectations or in conversation with your supporters? Did, 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 did those things kind of change pretty radically after that first world title? Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to be a competitive longboarder since I was young, but definitely after I won, I really understood like my potential and then started thinking more in the long run, like if I could win two or three more or whatever. Um, so yeah, definitely like it, def- it definitely made me like realize my capability and, um, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, having so much experience out at Malibu. Do you think that, that first point Malibu is one of those waves that, that lends itself to, you know, like a local advantage in terms of being able to read the lineup, read which waves are going to be better than others, because obviously there's some waves around the world and I'll use kind of the championship tour as a parallel, like certainly growing up at pipeline is helpful if you're going to be out at pipe because it's not an easy wave to surf. Whereas something like a lower trestles is there's a local advantage maybe, but it's a pretty user friendly kind of wave to where even if you don't have a ton of experience out there, you could still perform very well. How do you kind of put, where do you rate first point in terms of local advantage and and sort of past experience? I think having a local advantage at Malibu is very helpful because Malibu, the way the sets come through at Malibu is kind of, is very different than anywhere, any kind of typical point break, because especially in, uh, like fall swells, um, like, I don't know if you noticed, but there was like in a couple of my heats, there would be like a one wave set and then like another one wave set and then like a four wave set. Like it would just come through not consistently. Um, whereas like other places it would, like there would be like a four wave set every time. So that definitely played a role in my strategy. Like, because throughout the event, I would try to figure out whether or not like which waves I should go on. So if like a one wave set was coming through, it was really hard to see if there was one behind it. So do you just take that first wave or do you, you know, sit it out and wait for the next one? But Last year, I had like in my I lost pretty early because I went on the first wave and the second one was better. And that like literally scarred me. So in this event, I, I did do it a couple times, but I made sure that there's a second wave. Like I 
I would stand up on my board and like look over and make sure that there's a segue because I did not want to make the same mistake again. <laughs> you know, and, and even that's, that's really interesting. And also kind of looking, you know, through the, your journey through the event, like pretty comfortable win in, in round one, you know, pretty comfortable win in the round of 16, you know, ultimately pretty comfortable win in the semis and, and the finals, you got off to a good start and you kind of look at the point spread and, and it's pretty healthy between you and your competitors. The one that was so, so tight, you know, was your quarterfinal against Alice. And, <laughs> and it was one that you had to, you, you turned the tide inside the last 40 seconds. And, you know, talk us through just the, that last minute and emotionally kind of going, okay, I'm, I'm, I need something. Am I going to get it? And then I got it. And then, does doing something like that change the way you approach those semis and finals? Because it's, it's almost like, okay, I got through the crux of this event. That was the hardest challenge I'm going to have up until this point. And, and maybe I'm on a track to win this thing here. I'm curious if, if that played out for you. Yeah. In the quarterfinals, like that heat was specifically slower. Mm. So it was like what was going, what was I was talking about earlier, how there was like one wave set and, so that was occurring a lot more in that heat than like the semis and finals. Semis and finals, it was just like pumping. Like there would be like a flurry of sets and then it would go flat and there'd be that more like, e it would be easier to read. Um, but in like, yeah, the last 40 seconds, I knew there was a second wave behind the first one. Um, but I didn't know if I had enough time to get the second wave because my watch stopped and I didn't know <laughs> if I had enough time. So I kind of just like, was like, I got to just like give myself the opportunity because God forbid I don't have enough time to get the second wave. It's over. Like I don't even give myself a shot. So I just, I went on the first one and I, it looked like a pretty good wave. So I knew that if I surfed it the best I possibly could, like I could potentially get the score. And after I rode that wave in, um, everyone like on the beach was pretty silent. And I thought, that was because like they didn't think I got it, mm. but I just don't think anyone knew like what, what was going to happen. Right. Um, so it was just one of those situations where it could just go either way. And typically it wouldn't go my way. Like there's been so many times where it's gone the other way. And, um, after they called it and said that, you know, I won the heat, then after that, I was like, okay, it's on. Like, this is like the gnarliest thing that could happen probably in, in the contest. Now it's like all uphill from here. So, and I kind of knew that it was getting more and more consistent. So I was more like, I had more hope for the sets to come in my semis and final heat. That makes a lot of sense. Let's let's talk equipment for a second. You know, heading into an event like the, the Cuervo Classic Malibu Longboard Championships, how many boards out of your entire quiver are in play for you to potentially use in competition? And then based on the conditions of the two day event, like which one do you decide to go with? What, what kind of model and dimensions and, and why what, what, do you select that board? So I had, I had a magic board actually like three months ago or no, I, so I had a magic board and I, I, I was surfing one day and I forgot to strap it on my car. It was just like one of those really stressful days where you're just like out of it and, you know, just forget stupid stuff like that. And I forgot to strap it and it flew off my car. So after that, I was obviously like freaking out. 
Um, but thank God for my shaper um, and uh, my coach, CJ, who's also like, he designs my boards and he um, and my shaper Roy, Roy Sanchez whipped up a couple new boards that um, actually worked better somehow than the one I had before. So I'm very thankful for them. They are the reason why I can surf the way that I surf is because of, I mean, partially because of the boards that I'm riding. And, um, we designed that board specifically for the Malibu event. Um, it's a nine, six, and that's like my perfect weight or sorry, uh, length that I like for my long boards at Malibu. One of the, the really cool things that, that we've had at a lot of events in the last few years is the, the rising tides program. And, and, and that program at, at the Malibu event was the first time we had adaptive surfers as well as, as uh, boys paddle out. Um, you know, you also work with, with other organizations like TheraSurf and, and Walk on Water. Obviously, you know, people are at these events to compete, but, but being able to have those programs where you're able to interact with, with young people coming up, it's, it's a pretty special thing. And, and can you talk to us a little bit, both about, you know, your work with Therasurf and A Walk on Water, as well as, as the Rising Tides program at, at the Malibu event this season? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Rising Tides, that was the, after the first, or that was the evening of the first day of competition. And I only had... Oh no, I had two heats that day. So, um, I wasn't too exhausted, but I, even if I was like extremely exhausted, I would have done it anyways, because I absolutely love doing that stuff. It is, it makes me feel so good. And I just, it was so, it was just so cool because there are a lot of like young girls and boys there that like, I didn't know, but that I met and they actually surf so good. And I think it's really, it's just so like, I don't know. It's, it's just this a really cool feeling to just be around like the younger generation in a sport that you love and care about. And like a couple of the boys and girls there I knew and we're, and we surf Malibu all the time. And it was just a really fun night. And we surfed like till sunset. We like surfed into the sunset. It was, a, and there were like literally like 30 to 40 kids out at Malibu just dropping out on each other. And we were just, we we're having a ball. It was cool. That's very cool. Well, we, we mentioned it at the top. You are now a two-time world champion, um, and you now join the ranks of, of, of sporting icons like Kaylee Amonis and, and Harley Ingleby and Jen Smith and Phil Rajman and Bo Young. And it's, it's a really, it's a very tight but a very prestigious class to be a part of. And, and you know, has that sunk in yet for you the morning after? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like winning two establishes like yourself even more as a world champ. I mean, obviously, but I feel like with one, that's amazing. But like people could argue and say, Oh, she got lucky or like, Oh, it was mm. just her day. But with two that really like puts you, I feel like sort of at the top because again, like it establishes your success a bit more. So yeah, having two is, it's a really good feeling. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will wind the clock back on Soleil Erico. We'll be right back. WSLstore.com is powered by Shopify. 
We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash lineup. As surfing makes its impressive showcase for the second time at the Olympic Games Paris 2024, Samsung is capturing every epic moment through a new docuseries and a celebration of our culture, bringing the spirit and stories of surfers, including Joanne DeFay, John John Florence, and Jack Robinson to the forefront. Want to dive deeper into our world? Visit youtube.com slash at Samsung. All right. So you, you mentioned you've got a lot of experience in Malibu, but but give us give us the full Soleil Erico, you know, bio background. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Mom, dad, siblings? What what was the deal? I was actually born in New York City, and my both my parents that that's where they met, and my whole family's from the East Coast. So I'm kind of like an East Coast girl, if you think about it. Um, I wasn't like because there's like a like a few girls on tour that were like literally like born like in Hawaii or somewhere that's very like surf oriented. And like, I don't feel like I was technically like born into surfing. It just like came to me from living in, so living in Hawaii. So we, I was born in New York, we moved to California. And then when I was eight, we moved to Hawaii. And then that's where I got into surfing and because in Hawaii, like, there's nothing else to do but surf. And then I would, my dad just took me out, like, and then after that it was over. And I was just hooked. And then I started doing, like, little contests. And, um, yeah, I just kept doing it. And then uh, when I was 13, we moved back to California. And that's where, when we moved back to California and I started surfing Malibu, first point, actually, 
is when I really realized that I wanted to be a longboarder, professional longboarder. And it's so funny because like first point is where I sort of realized that. So it was so cool to win at Mm -hmm. that exact place. Um, so yeah, that was, that was so special. Um, and then, yeah, so we've been, me and my family have gone back and forth from Hawaii. Um, but yeah, now I'm living in San Diego going to school. Um, but I come back here all the time because it's like a two and a half hour, three hour drive. So yeah, I've been around, I guess. It makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned, you know, being, being in Hawaii, you know, there wasn't anything else that grabbed your interest, but was that always the case? Were there any other sports or hobbies early on? Or, you know, when, I guess when you get hooked at eight into surfing, it's, it, it could be a pretty clear runway to like, nope, I'm doing this from now on. I was always involved in sports mm. throughout my life. I, I also shortboarded from when I was like eight to 13 I stopped shortboarding when we moved to Malibu mm. um, from Kauai. And, but yeah, I did all the shortboard contests and I actually like competed with Honolulu a lot. So I've been competing with her in the shortboard and longboard since I was a kid. Well, obviously just longboard now. Um, yeah, so I've always been into uh, competitive sports. I played soccer for a really long time and I played my whole life actually until um, I was in high school and I had to decide whether to, um, just play soccer or surf. And cause I was getting hurt a lot actually in soccer. Um, and so that's why I chose surf. That's one of the reasons why I chose to do surfing. Um, but I just saw myself having more of a career in surfing than soccer. Um, but that was a really tough decision because I really loved playing soccer it was so much fun for me and I played um a lot in Hawaii and the girls in Hawaii are really good and they and they are really gnarly and dirty and and yeah um but yeah soccer and I loved snowboard that's so much fun my little sisters I have two little sisters and they're really good skiers so that's kind of like a family dynamic that we have we all go skiing a lot um that's kind of it yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. And, and you know, it, it is interesting, too, obviously, you know, moving back to Malibu, and it's a world-famous sort of mecca for longboarding, and, and you making that transition, like, no, this is, I want to focus on this particular discipline. Were there any surfers in Malibu when, when you were younger and kind of developing into to ultimately a two-time world champ that really influenced you stylistically in terms of the way you surf? Yeah. So when I was 14, I met Taylor Jensen and he started coaching me from when I was like 14 to 18, I think. And then he had another baby and that just like preoccupied him. So he just wasn't available to be there for me as much in terms of like coaching, but we're still like super tight with their family and and they're the best. And it's so cool, like still competing with him because he's still doing so well. And after being three time world champ, like he made the semis and, mm. you know, overall is in like third place, which is, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, him and then CJ Nelson, uh, who is coaching me now, I have always looked up to him and, 
I remember watching him surf Malibu and like the coalition club events when I was like 13 and just being like in awe of him and his, his surfing. And yeah, there's a lot of people at Malibu that I watch. Like, I feel like when the waves are good, there's so many good surfers out at Malibu and it's, it's like, you could just sit on the beach and watch them all day and they're not necessarily competitive surfers. They're more just like, just do it for fun, but they're so good at it. And Malibu's such a good wave that it shows everyone's skill. So, yeah. You know, being, you know, making the decision to be a professional surfer, regardless of the discipline, whether it's longboarding or shortboarding, big wave surfing, whatever, um, it's a pretty wild west kind of ecosystem and that, it, you know, historically there's not like, yep, you do this and then you do that and then you do this. And if you make it to this level, it's worth this much money. It's, 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 different into a lot of other sports that way. And in particular, you know, how radically the industry has changed in the last, you know, two decades, you know, you making the decision, I'm, I'm going to be a professional longboarder, you know, what motivated you to commit to that? And then, and then, you know, how is that? And, and also at what age I'm curious too. And then how is that, how is your journey map the expectation when you set out to be a pro surfer? Yeah. Um, when I was young, like when I was in Grom, I, as I said, like I did longboarding and shortboarding and it kind of just came, came down to what I enjoyed doing more. Mm. And also I have a fear of surfing really big waves. And when you short, like shortboarders tend to surf bigger waves, obviously. So that was one of the deciding factors. And but also I just feel like longboarding just like fit me as a person more. Mm. And it just, I don't know, it just like fit me with like who I am, if that makes sense. And yeah. it was just kind of like a feeling and it just came kind of down to what I enjoyed doing more. So I feel like that's, yeah, just what it came down to. And I'm really glad I made that choice because it's, it's, yeah, it's been working out. So yeah, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. Yeah, well, and you're you're in the history books now, two times, so it's pretty cool, <laughs> you know. And and you mentioned that you're going to school, I think, uh, University of San Diego, which, geez, you know, just to be honest, like surfers at an elite level, again, agnostic a discipline, um, it's pretty rare that most of them even sort of finish high school in a public setting. A lot of them do homeschooling, let alone go on to, to get a, a advanced degree, um, you know, get an undergraduate degree. What was the, the genesis for that decision from you? And, and what are you studying at, at USD? So I didn't have like a high school experience. I did online school my whole life. And that in itself was very like, very lonely and I just mm. it didn't make me happy like I didn't enjoy online school at all I didn't like have any friends because of it I feel like because you just weren't at school you weren't around right. like kids your own age I was either like surfing or doing like homework with like my tutor in my room you know so I didn't really get out much but um that's so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to college um also like I think college is super important to just like develop your intellect and your education. And also like besides surfing, find like I could possibly find something like something else also that I want to do and um, sort of figure that out. And also like, I feel like it develops social skills because you meet a lot of people um, that are especially like your age 
And yeah, so there's a lot of benefits from it. And it's really hard though. Like it's, it's a struggle. Um, every semester I feel like I'm always like fighting my teachers on letting me like, you know, cause last um, semester I had to finish finals like two weeks early. So I had to talk mm. to all my teachers and be like, Hey, like I have a contest, like I have to leave and thank God they're all accepting. But you don't know, like every semester you get new teachers. So you don't know if they're going to be accommodating or not. So yeah, it's tough. Um, but I feel like I'm making it work the best I can and God forbid I can't make it work one year. I'll just like defer a year. And that's the good thing about college. It's more flexible. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to make it work. (laughs) What is, what is your approach with your teachers? Are you, do you go in like before the semester starts and send them a note and be like, Hey, my name's Soleil Erico. I'm a two-time world longboard champion and I might need some time. I might need some accommodation in terms of, you know, traveling and competing. Or do you not do that and you go into class for a couple of weeks and you're like, oh, this teacher really likes me. Now I'm going to drop the hammer and be like, oh, by the way, how do you, how do, you deal with the, the teachers at USD? I wish I could do that. I, I'm not like the type of person that will just like go in and start like naming my credentials to <laughs> someone I don't know. Like, it's just sure. like, not, it's not my thing. Um, but it's important to tell them like, what's up? Like you can't sell yourself short or else they're not going to like, you know, understand like the situation. Um, but yeah, so I, I probably like when the semester starts, I wait probably like three weeks, two weeks before like the contest is coming up. And then I, you know, go into their office hours and I, I tell them the situation and they so far have been super accommodating, but it really helps to like actively go in there during their office hours, during their time and tell them um, rather than just like sending them an email and being like, Hey, I'm not going to be at school. Cause then they don't really like understand what's going on and the level that like, you know, I'm competing at. So, um, yeah, definitely going in there ahead of time and talking to them is really helpful. That makes a lot of sense. And you, you mentioned before, like, you know, the advantage of, of going to college is exposing yourself to just different things, you know, different areas of study and, and things that might, you know, give you a different perspective on things or things that might interest you. Have you found anything, um, that, that you like particularly going to school, like any, any area of study? I actually have, I think I'm going to major in communication. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, that's kind of like the only sort of major that I, I don't know, like I, I just understand it the best and I feel like it will benefit me the most in my career. Um, so like this semester I'm taking like a public speaking class, which is like super important because I'm not a good public speaker and like public speaking in front of a classroom full of like kids or not kids, but like people my age is so different than doing like interviews, like for surfing or like social media content, because with that, like I'm in my element and I'm like typically know like of, or I know the person like that I'm getting interviewed by, like, you know, Strider yesterday, like I know Strider, I surf with him all the time. So it's like, I, it's more comfortable, but like being in a classroom is so different. And like, I'm actually like, honestly, the word, one of the worst public speakers in my class, which I didn't like expect because I do like all this stuff with surfing. 
But right. like these kids um, are so good at it. And I think it's because they like had like a normal high school experience where they would public speak in a classroom setting and I didn't. So I've never had that. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. Public speaking. I really want to get better at. And then like, I'm taking like another like communication class and like a couple like GE, like uh, core requirement ones that you kind of have to take in order to graduate. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to continue with communication. It's very cool. We're going to take uh, one more break and we'll be right back. Hey, I hear you think podcasts are all about true crime, huh? Well, wise guy, the iHeartRadio app's got all kinds of podcasts. We got stuff you should know and stuff they don't want you to know. We got Bobby Bones, Big Boy, and Lou Later. We got SpongeBob Binge Pants and Exotic Erotic Storytime. We got Doughboys, Two Dudes in a Kitchen, Green Eggs and Dan. Hey, we got ElfQuest. We got podcasts for everything on the iHeartRadio app for free. If you don't download that, well, that's not just a true crime, my friend. That's criminal. Manduka was founded in 1997 with the simple idea that a better yoga mat could make a world of difference. For generations, Manduka has revolutionized the yoga space by providing purposely crafted products that enable a more joyful practice, whatever that looks like for you. The collaboration between Manduka and Jerry Lopez honors Jerry's profound dedication to both surfing and yoga disciplines. The limited edition collection showcases Jerry's signature camouflage print inspired by his surfboards. It fuses his iconic surf style with Manduka's commitment to quality and sustainability, offering everyone a unique expression of their practice. We all know that having the right gear is essential, and a yoga mat is no different. Feel the benefits of yoga with Manduka's soulfully engineered, eco-friendly products designed to inspire your practice wherever you go. The Manduka and Jerry Lopez collection want to inspire you to practice yoga however you choose to. And from now until June 10th, you will get 15% off of all products when you visit manduka.com with the code THELINEUP15. That's manduka.com, code THELINEUP1515. So before we went to break, you, you talked about, you know, what you've been up to, what you've been up to at school, you know, how, how you're really investing in your future. You're now the reigning two-time world longboard champion. And on the, on the heels of yesterday's event, the WSL has announced the 2023 longboard tour schedule, which includes an event in Bells Beach, an event uh, in El Salvador, um, and the Malibu championships with a, a fourth event that is committed to, but hasn't been announced yet. So it's a, it's a proper tour next year. You know, w- what are your thoughts on that? getting that announcement out there and, and knowing directionally, okay, this is what my 2023 year looks like, especially after all the uncertainty of the pandemic over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I don't really know. Like, obviously I want to be there for every single event, but I just don't know, like with college, if it's mm. gonna happen, but I feel like I can figure it out. Um, I feel like if I take more classes during like the spring than the fall or something like, like just try to 
structure it so that like I'm taking less classes during the times where the contest is, um, is going to be like the call. I actually just saw that this morning and I was thinking about it like, Oh my God, like there's four events. Like what am I going to do? It's but, a big time commitment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. And they're like in different countries and whatnot. Um, but I feel like I'm going to end up just doing all of them and figuring it out. And, um, I mean, I hope that happens, but yeah, that's super exciting. I think that the tour is going in the right direction and obviously having like the event at Malibu is just like the cherry on top for it. And because it's so iconic and, um, yeah, it's really exciting. Makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that people are pretty familiar with is just, you know, if you surf, traveling with equipment can be a real pain in the ass. And we see it on the championship tour all the time, you know, and, and frankly, those surfers travel with a, a lot of boards. Um, but traveling with long boards is probably like a whole different kettle of fish. And, and I'm sure you've traveled a lot, you know, throughout your career. But, you know, the idea of going to Bell's Beach in, in Australia to compete do you go, okay, I, I've got some magic boards here at home in Malibu. I'm definitely bringing those, even though they're basically mini airplane wings, um, on the plane and bringing them all the way over there. Or is it something where you say, you know what, I, I've actually have the opportunity to work with shapers in each of these locations and I'll get my equipment when I turn up. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to like, in terms of that, like study the wave and mm. ask like, cause we have a couple friends that live in Victoria and Australia and like text them and ask them like, what's the wave like? Like, is it similar to this wave or that wave? And kind of just figure it out doing that. And I mean, I kind of like, I've seen obviously watched bells like on the shortboard tour and it looks like it's the right point break. I mean, it looks like kind of like Malibu, but I don't really know. I honestly haven't studied it that much. And then I don't know. I have never, um, obviously been I've, I haven't been now Salvador and I, I haven't surfed that wave so um I don't know what that wave is like and then obviously Malibu I know what I'm gonna ride but yeah in terms of like those events I yeah just gotta study the waves and and um ask people and whatnot and just figure it out if, if you had to add a venue to the longboard tour, um, anywhere in the world, you know, don't worry about anything. And we got Malibu on there. What wave would you like to see on there at some point in the future? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. That's tough because there's so many. <laughs> um, a, you only get one. Though. You got to pick one. <laughs> no, I know. <sighs> I don't know because like, uh, I haven't surfed this wave, but it looks so fun to longboard. Um, Jeffrey's Bay, mm. but like not on a big day, obviously, probably when it's like chest to like chest high. Like some of the off days where they ran like this, like during the shortboard event looks so fun. And I had like, um, I saw like, there are a couple of the shortboard girls longboarding on the off days at Jeffrey's Bay and the wave looks so good for a longboard. I was tripping out. So probably there honestly would be really cool. That's a good yeah. choice. That's a good choice. You've accomplished so much and you're still so young and you're going to college, you know, if, if you had to look at your life and career over the next like five to 10 years, like 
do you have goals? Like, what do you forecast for yourself? Is it more world titles? Is it graduating? Is it, you know, doubling and tripling down on being a professional surfer? Is it maybe stepping away and pursuing a career somewhere else? Is it maybe both things? Like, how do you kind of view the next five, 10 years of your life playing out? Obviously, like, I want to win more world titles. I guess it just depends on like, where the tour goes and where they have events and how many events they have. And I obviously like want to continue to compete like as long as I possibly can and just try to make it work with school. And then obviously when I'm out of school, um, compete and I just, yeah, I see myself competing, you know, for a while and, um, just going to try to continue to work hard and, um, get better at surfing and try to pursue my uh, college career. That's very cool. And we're very fortunate to have you as a, <clears throat> as a representative and a world champion. Uh, before we go, we, we put some questions out to our Instagram followers at, at the lineup pod, and we got a lot back, um, but we've, we've whittled it down to, to three. Um, the first question is from at Maya Fuku, who asks, what is your favorite wave? <laughs> Kind of, I feel like we know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Malibu. Fair <laughs> especially enough. now. Especially now. Right, right. <laughs> Brought yeah, me a world title. It was already <laughs> special, and now it's just like, you know, yeah. 10 times. Uh, second question is from Et Os Naguyan, or when, excuse me, um, who asks, do you have a favorite kook moment from growing up or learning that you can look back now at and laugh at? Oh my god! <laughs> um, I I actually, oh god, in um, a few years ago, I met one of my friends from dropping in on her <laughs> and losing my board, or like, yeah, I like kicked out or I fell, and my board hit her in the nose, and almost broke her nose so that's how we became friends so I feel like that's one of my kookiest moments that I've had for sure also yesterday at the rising tide or no two days ago at the rising tides me and Sophia Colhane who actually who was in the final with me we did a party wave and I was like joking around and I like stood up switch stance and was like squatting just like because we, we were just having fun. We were just cooking around at that point. And then I like some, and then I went, went back to regular, regular stance and my board like launched out and almost like hit her. And I was like, Oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. But like, I was like, Oh my God, I almost like took out this chick that I literally compete with. Like, what am I doing? Anyways, it was a weird, it was weird. I don't know why I was just fooling around, but, um, yeah, definitely that, that, that came to mind too. <laughs> and now that you beat her in the final, do you think Sophie's thinking back and being like, oh, she did that on purpose? Like, <laughs> No, no, I did not. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask her next time. I'm joking. I'm sure um, last question that we, we selected is from at TU cool for Megan, who asks, what is your advice for someone who wants to start longboarding? Mm, probably just if you try longboarding and you love it go with that gut feeling and just continue to do it and just obviously try to get better and 
if if you don't love it, then maybe don't do it. It just I feel like anything you do, you got to love in your heart. And if you're going to pursue it possibly as a career, it's got to be like, you know, you got to eat, sleep and breathe it and have a passion for it. So, if you love longboarding, go with that and just continue to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good advice. And I think I think it's it's really relevant in 2022 where like you can surf any way you want to as long as, you know, and the way to do it is to do whatever is sort of true to yourself. Whereas maybe in decades in the past, as you pointed out, it's like, you know, the entire community kind of puts one thing on a pedestal. And even if that one thing's not for you, I think some people are like, well, I have to do that one thing. Whereas now it's like, there's so many beautiful ways to surf. It doesn't really matter what the discipline is. So I think that's great advice. We are now down to our uh, final segment. So this is the lightning round. This is uh, 10 questions for you to answer as quickly as you can. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you could only have one board set up for the rest of your life, a single fin, twin fin, thruster, quad, bonzer, or finless, which would you choose? A single fin. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Tea. Burrito or pizza? Pizza. <laughs> Last book you read? Oh, my God. This is embarrassing. How do I not remember? <laughs> oh, um, it was like in my English class last semester, um, like an actual book, not a textbook. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like 10 ways to delete your social media account right now. That was the name of it. And in our English class, we were learning about the awareness of how social media controls you. Which I think is great, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, yeah. I, I, they made us read like Shakespeare when I went to school. Now you oh get my to God. read like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> practical stuff. God, no. <laughs> what is the best surf film ever? Mm, uh, Endless Summer. Mm. One wave you never have to go back to. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, never have to go back to. Oh. If I oh my god, this is so bad, but like I don't like Huntington, <laughs> and I know that's where they have the U.S. Open, but that wave and me just do not mix. So probably Fair Huntington, enough. which Pre I hope WSL doesn't hate. I hope WSL doesn't hate me for that. But <laughs> yeah, we, we're just, on tough. the list now. No, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you only get to surf one wave for the rest of your life, oh. Probably um, Hanalei Bay mm. in Kauai, which is where I grew up. That's like where I grew up surfing when I was young. It's just a magical place. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> uh, best person to share a lineup with? Mm, my dad. He doesn't surf a whole lot anymore, but when he does, it's, it's, he's my favorite person to surf with. <laughs> Worst person to share a lineup with? Oh my god, everyone at Malibu. <laughs> no, not everyone. I shouldn't say that. But like all the people that pretend that they're from there and drop in on everyone. I would rather not sit with those people. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, okay, last one. Finish this sentence. I will next achieve a state of happiness by... Um, oh god. <laughs> Being... Uh, Assure of myself 
I guess. <laughs> That's a great answer. Soleil Erico, uh, congratulations. Two-time world champion winner of the 2022 Cuervo Classic Malibu Longboard Championships. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I can't wait to see what you do in your career, both in and out of the water. And um, yeah, we look forward to having you back on the podcast very soon. Thank you so much. So that's it. That's the lineups conversation with Malibu's Soleil Erico. I hope you enjoyed it. This episode is produced by Miguel Clemente and Henry Beyer with art direction by Jason Penning and copywriting by Dan Willen. Thanks to them and thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate their support. The lineup acknowledges those recorded and produced on the ancestor lands of the Chumash and the Kumeyaay native people. I hope you safely get some waves wherever you are and we'll see you next Tuesday. is powered by Shopify. We love the analytics we can check on the go. A lot of us are addicted to checking the Shopify app on our phones. We also love the automations and marketing integrations with our social and YouTube channels. It has incredible features to help us manage our global audience, including international taxation support and great shipping optionality. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com lineup, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com lineup now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com lineup.